Hey, welcome to Lost in the Groove, place where we speak our minds, find our truths, have no fear. Really meaningful conversations with real people. Stay tuned. Welcome, 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 welcome to uh, Lost in the Groove. Uh, this is a place where uh, we talk shit for an hour. Hopefully we don't bore you to death. That's that's one of our goals. Uh, today we're going to be talking about diversity. And um, first thing that uh, comes to my mind is me. You see, uh, you probably can't see me right now because, you know, we're doing podcasting. But, uh, you know, if you there was video, you probably could see me. But I have this problem where a lot of people think I'm Hispanic. Maybe it's my skin color or whether it's the way that I look. So I get people that will bump into me and just be like, Hey, amigo, como estas? And I've gotten to the point with all my irritability, I just look back at the person and I'm just like, Like, do you speak Arabic? Hello? Like, I'm not Hispanic. I'm Middle Eastern. I am Arabic. Can you tell the difference? No, they cannot tell the difference. I'm done my ranting. That is my interpretation of diversity for today. Take it as you like. I don't give a fuck. Dang, you know, I never would have thought that, but now that you bring it up, you do kind of look Hispanic. No, 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 not you. No, no, get the fuck out of here. No, 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 get out of here. Get out of here. Just a little bit, though. See, this is a problem. Do you speak any Spanish at all? Yes. Oh, nice. I, I know some curse words. Uh, that's, that's pretty easy. Yeah, and I know how to say, uh, eh, por favor, eh, uno momento. You know, uno momento, por favor. <laughs> that's all I know. That's good. As you know, I like work in the fashion district in Santi Alley. Yes. And pretty much everywhere here is just like the Hispanic culture. So I'm I like. I love yeah, it's so cool. Uh, I can hear it. I'll have to come say hi to you next time I'm there. I'm there a lot for getting materials. <laughs> All right. Yeah, for sure. I'm on uh, Wall Street. Oops, I probably shouldn't be saying that in the podcast. But, uh... <laughs> All right. Any of you that are stalking Henry, we know who you are now, okay? We know who you are. Uh, yeah, That's a great yeah. place. I love I love how... Eli, honey, we, we we can hear you. Can you hear me now? Yes, I can hear you. Great. <laughs> um, yeah, the culture here is like Hispanic, so it's like forcing me to learn to speak Spanish because like very little people here speak English. But it's been pretty cool. Like, I'm starting to catch on. Like, I had my first somewhat conversation in Spanish the other day. And so I was, like, stoked because I'm like, yeah, this Duolingo app's paying off. <laughs> yeah. But but then if you go up a little further towards, like, the like the fabric district, it's, like, a lot of, like, like old Armenian men and stuff, too. Oh, so really? Like, a mix of, like, yeah, yeah, totally. Like, if you get outside of, like, so there's Santi Alley, like, the Alley Alley, where it's all the fashion stuff and, like, cool gadgets yeah. and things like that. And the Toy District, too, is, like, a lot of, like, like, uh, like Mexican shop owners and stuff. But then if mm-hmm. you go into, like, the actual Fabric District, Fabric District, it's a lot of, like, Armenian and Middle Eastern uh, uh, shop owners. 
When Carissa, you were uh, you you said you worked in the uh, the film industry. Like, did you ever go through the fashion district and like ever run into, you know? Today's podcast is sponsored by Authority Car Mods, a mod shop which I personally use for all my car needs, from my custom modifications to my vehicle general maintenance, tire repair, and discount pricing. These guys do great work, and their prices are literally killing the competition. Located here in South Florida, in West Coral Springs, right off the Sample Road exit, not only are they super accessible, but open late nights with appointments. So don't wait. Follow them on Instagram at authority underscore car underscore mods, or call their office line, which is 954 798 one six zero two and book your spot now uh kind of like what elo is saying with like the the different Definitely. type of people a lot of history with the fashion district <laughs> i've been out here for like a long time um i used to one of the things that i mean there's so many different to tell there um for a while uh knockoff makeup palettes were a big story down there that's also where i found some of my first like stainless steel like palettes and, and tools and different things like that. Um, and then well, I, I've always been fascinated with um, evening gowns and like big, beautiful, formal gowns and stuff. They have just tons of them down there. Not just for quinceañeras, but I worked with this one lady. She like owned like a formal dress shop down there. They have those big dresses and they just come in like a million different colors and whatever. Um, she was from uh, South Korea. So I know that there's um, Korean shop owners that live down there as well. But I mean, Santi Alley was kind of up for grabs um, in the 40s after they, they kicked out a lot of Japanese people. Um, and there was a lot of room for a lot of other people to come in and do things. Um, and then, I, I mean, I don't really know the whole history of it, but it's definitely one of the things that somebody should see um, if they come into Los Angeles, like you get like a real feeling for it. Um, and it's one of the more affordable things that you can do when you come to Los Angeles too. Like you can get some street food. I could get some street food that was like affordable and actually like buy a couple things for myself. Of course, like you need to know where the munchies are. I mean, hello. Like you're going out in California, you know, like for a lot of these poor, unfortunate people, it's still illegal. They come from, you know, they come out here, you know, they're frat boys. They want to get their wiggles on or whatever the fucking shit they call it these days. And, you know, they go get like the, you know, open tacos, you know, they spend like $12 and like in LA and they, they take like a selfie and like they post it on Instagram being like so cool and all. And I mean, like, I kind of, you know, like get it. Like it's kind of, it's kind of like the added point. I mean, I'm from the East Coast, and I'll tell you, uh, on the East Coast, in New York, a lot of people spend most of their time in Manhattan. But there's a lot of the city like Brooklyn, Queens, Long Island, Staten Island. There's a lot of really beautiful places that have a lot of rich you know, history, diversity, a lot of really cultures coming together. Like straight off the bat, Irish culture, Russian culture, Chinese culture. You know, there's there's that big kind of melting pot. I think one of the the biggest problems with diversity is we're so used to being in a diverse environment, where like your neighbor's Japanese, you know, your 
you're the person right across from you is Filipino. The person like that you work with is Hispanic. But people forget not that long ago that did not exist. There was a time where you would go to a workplace and there was just white people, white men. That was it. That's all you worked with. Well, and uh, white collar situations, yeah. But a lot of the time, even in those situations, once they had to have laborers that were like physical laborers, they would still hire people of color. Yeah. And then in the Midwest, like, there's you know not a whole lot of diversity. Um, well, except for Chicago. Oh, yeah, 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 Chicago. Yeah. I mean, more like the suburb Midwest where I came from. We we didn't have a lot of diversity. So they, they made a huge point of, educating us on diversity because we didn't have experiences with diversity which i thought was really cool but yeah. um yeah it, that's a huge point that like you know they were still there they just maybe weren't being noticed because they're more like doing the hard labor well right because yeah. i mean even now it's like you have in the film so like i do like i do production design art direction and like fabrication and uh, there's a lot of crossover where it's like there's a lot of parts of film industry like seeing like aspects of the painting and fabricating portions that are still like largely like older like mexican-american men and it's kind of been that way for a long time because like a lot of the time you have these like these higher ups there are these white people who hire labor and like that's not just film industry that's like anything like you look at like any sort of like contracting work like construction work anything like that where it's like you do have the people who have the more the the like positions of power who are like the rich white dudes and then you have all the people that they hire are people who are like you know are are uh a more diverse background uh, but like part of that is because i think that they feel like they can i don't know it's, it's a, it, there's so many issues that go into like just like labor issues when it comes to like how people get hired and how people get taken advantage of from different backgrounds as well yeah uh i mean henry what do you um like from your own experience because i mean i have like my own experience like what's what's your what's your thoughts on this Is Henry here? Henry is here. He might be frozen. He might be frozen. Wait, hold his on. His picture looks frozen. Yes, <laughs> his picture does look frozen. <laughs> we'll find out. Find that in a second. Uh, let me see. Okay, he said, "Gotta restart my laptop. It's freezing." Okay. Looks. Looks. Looks so. Yeah, it's it's good now. That was weird. Like I could hear you guys speaking, but everyone was frozen. I was just like, "What the heck?" Yeah, it's like an episode. Yeah, it's like an episode right out out of Superman. I yeah. think didn't Mercury go into retrograde or something like that? Probably. That, yeah. I'll tell you something. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, Henry. Like, what is a like you know, th th this is my thoughts on like diversity today. Uh, w what's your what's your thoughts on this? On what? On on how we're so used to diversity. Um. Well, I think it just depends on where you're at. Because I mean, growing up in Utah, Utah is not diverse. It's just straight up white mormon culture out there unless you're in like downtown salt lake city and so i mean places like that it's like it's not much diverse but moving to california it's like the complete opposite of that where it's just like everyone's diverse and from somewhere different moving here is my first time meeting someone from uh 
Maverick. What's that called? Singapore? Oh. You're like, Meg, what's... I'm going to, like, butcher this, like, race. I think it's, like, Magnolia. <laughs> Man, I feel like I'm saying it wrong, but... Myanmar? Mongolian. What the heck am I talking? My... Mongolian? Yeah. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. I actually I have a friend who's Mongolian. <laughs> um, yeah. Singapore is a cool place. I always bother the Mongolians. Every single Mongolian I've ever met, the first thing I always ask them is, can you throat sing for me? And they're like, oh, God, one of these fucking bitches again? God damn it. <laughs> That's just what I do. Is that like a common thing that they do is throat yeah. singing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, throat singing is a, a part of Mongolian culture. They have very interesting culture. Like, Did you? I, yeah. They're they a warrior have, culture, too. Yeah, like they have, um, they're called, uh, they have family rituals. They'll literally sit out in the woods and like light a fire, like a bonfire, and they'll all like sing and make food. And it's like, like you know, it's just, it's part of their heritage. Um, it's just, do you know, like, if we could understand that we have been on this planet as like you know the the fucking meat bags we've had we've been it's been like over about 200,000 years and um like seriously look how far we've gotten to the point where like there's so much there's too much there's so much oh my god there's like a bajillion languages there's a bajillion different kind of people it's like it's true oh my god yeah. 8 billion people Eight billion people on this planet. Can I jump in and say something about diversity in a second when when there is a moment? Yes. Oh, Um, Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Black football league I play in, and this girl, she is from the Philippines, and she's, like, on the phone speaking with one of her friends, and it was just, like, some crazy language I had never heard before. And I was like, yo, what? Like, what were you just saying? And she thought I was like, make cover at first. I'm like, no, like, I've never heard anything like that. It's like, it's a, it's a type of language, language from the Philippines. But in the Philippines, they have like, I didn't know this either. They have like over a thousand islands. And Mm -hmm. each island, they have their own like dialect. So I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) It was so cool to see that. That's cool. I I thought Eli wanted to say something. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I'm not saying So like, oh yeah, so uh, I was going to say like in terms of like, so like growing up and where we grow up and like, I think how that like informs how we, how we see diversity and how we see like what diversity being normalized. Like I grew up in Chicago, like the city proper and all the suburbs. I grew up in a neighborhood that had, uh, that was like very diverse, very little, like Middle Eastern, Indian, like Nigerian, Korean, and then also like, you know, black and Latino and like, uh, just like everybody it had everybody in it. And then some of the like old weirdos that were like my parents still and like, it was cool because I got to go back there this past week. I was in Chicago and I brought my partner there 
and it was cool kind of going back and seeing the parts of the city that have like haven't changed and haven't been like totally like wiped out from like you know more modern gentrification and corporate gentrification and stuff because there's a lot that's really holding strong and it's very cool but like my grade school was just like a public grade school and we had 22 different language groups in it so like it was the norm to see like it was the norm to see people from all over the world and then my high school had like was like 50 percent latino and then like had um like everybody else in the other percent and it was just like that's kind of just how it was growing up in chicago if you were not like a rich kid and so like that's kind of your basis to going for going to things and my first time experiencing like a kind of somewhat homogenous culture was like going to college like going to art school and being like oh wow this is like more white people than i've ever seen in my life like it was so it's kind of an interesting thing to come from that that perspective versus being like oh there's a lot of people suddenly to being like wow this is the first time experiencing they're being like more of like a monoculture but like i think I think it's really important to have exposure to that. And I think that what's cool is like, we have like, not everybody gets to experience that like one-on-one or where they grow up and everything. But now that we have like so many different social media platforms that allow you to just like see people from all over the world, like you get exposure to different cultures. Like my partner and I, like we spent like a, like 45 minutes watching just these videos of people from like, just like this very, very rural town in Africa and just like watching how they were living and like just they're making like TikTok videos and stuff. It was just so cool because it's something that's like completely out of our wheelhouse of understanding, but it's also like very like beautiful and, and like kind of familiar in this larger like human sense. But I think that it's cool now that we can access that kind of like, you know, being able to see that stuff from yeah. like from the internet. <laughs> I mean, I was, um, I mentioned this before, I was raised religious and uh, I was raised Sephardic. Sephardic is a uh, means that we're Spaniard. Uh, you know, when the, the Second Temple was destroyed, a lot of Jews, they went to Spain, which is where my family uh, went to. And we have a very different culture than other type of Jews. And I remember when I was in high school, when I, the first time I went to away high school, I was dormitorying there. There was a there was a synagogue there that was, you know, the other group, the European Jew, Jewish group, and I I got to a point where I couldn't handle it, and I remember I went to the Sephardic the Sephardic synagogue that was down the street, and the second I walked through those doors, I felt at peace, because in a way, like it was, you know, kind of like the opposite of what Eli was saying, where it was my culture. It was like something that I could relate with and understand, and I, and I just like remember that experience. And every single time, like I've had to like explain to somebody my like my culture, and they said to me, they were like, "Whoa, that's like eight hundred years of history." I'm like, "Dude, no, that's two thousand years of history." It's something that I have that my father gave me. It's an amazing gift. There's another thing about diversity, which is it's a gift given by your parents, being Irish or German or being uh, Egyptian or Kenyan or being Chinese or Russian. That's your culture. That's your way of diversifying with other people around you. But I think also the choices that your family makes in terms of like where they live and like who they surround themselves with too, because mm -hmm. you can like you can be from like you can be from like a you know you can be like a white like a, have like a white background and then like be around like your parents can make the choice to like live in a like a place that's either like totally white or a place that's like 
more diverse and has like a lot of other things. So you're seeing that and being exposed to that, that variance, like at a younger age or like white or any culture, obviously, but like, you know, you can be like of one persuasion and then like, or like a, you know, background and then like be exposed to it or not be exposed to it. So it's like, it's more than just like what you are born as, but it's also like what you're exposed to, I think. Yeah, I, I can't help but agree because uh, a lot of my train of thought was like, okay, so I wasn't around a whole lot of diversity, like a little bit, you know, like, and my dance class was downtown, so I'd get kind of out of my bubble, but I think that what was really important was a lot of things that were like shown to me and things that were like printed or or publicized or different stuff like that, like. I watched Sesame Street a lot and it had diversity in it. Totally. So that that was like I needed the Sesame Street as a child. (laughs) (laughs) It was great for all of us. (laughs) Like I lived around like African American people up until like age six, like with my family, and then my dad found a, like a new girlfriend whose family is from Utah and I like ended up moving with him and her whole family or like her family was Thai the Laotian and cool. then, like other members like her sister at the time was married to an Italian so there's like Italian people in that family and then like her brother was married to native american and hispanic so as like growing up i got to experience like a lot of culture just within that one family and like eat all sorts of like different types of food like falls like one of my favorite things to eat now thank god there's like a ton of them here because <laughs> ton of places to eat but here because i don't know how to make it uh but yeah the italian like uh grandma she used to make like spaghetti and meatballs and like it's real authentic italian food so i'd say that was like pretty cool growing up that's cool yeah yeah i mean um i could tell you uh for we have uh, we have this thing in my family, uh, which is it's called Moroccan fish. Um, each of us, like each of my siblings, we've all learned the recipe from my father, from memory, and it's kind of like the special thing to make, and it's kind of it's it's kind of interesting because when you think about food, food is culture. Food is diver, you know. It is diversified over time. I mean, come on, we got Panda Express honey. Like that yeah. ain't that ain't real Chinese food. <laughs> That's American food, but it's American Chinese. And like people know that. Like people know the the difference between it. Like you can literally see. You know, put it simple like this. Fuck it. Diversity is not a thing. It's an evolution. It's an evolution of society. Hey, I said it. Woo! All right, I'm done. All right, I'll see you later, guys. <laughs> Going back to that Panda Express thing, did you know that uh, fortune cookies are actually an American thing? Yes. 
Americans made that up. <laughs> yeah, the fortunes ain't haven't been very good to me recently, so we're on a little uh, a little break currently at the moment. Yeah. I've got some good ones. I got one here that says make time for your passions. It's I feel like I really need needed that one because I just freaking work in a bunch. But yeah, I'm back in the mix and creating. So shout out to the Americans for the fortune cookies. God bless you. <laughs> yeah. Well, what is uh what is uh that dish you were talking about the Moroccan? So yeah 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 yeah. So uh uh Moroccan. So where I come from, um, in where my family comes from in Morocco, which is Casablanca, there are two variations of this type of fish that was served um, Friday night for Sabbath, uh, and one was fried. It's fried backwards. So you 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 batter it in flour and then you dip it in egg and then you fry it. And then there's um, a sauce that you use, which um, I think it's tamir or tamur. It's basically cumin and oil. And you just serve the fish. It's usually like whitings. And then you serve it with the sauce. Like that's, that's, that's the w- one variation. The other variation, <clears throat> which is like um, a sabal. It's like a, uh, it's like a, uh, it's kind of like a, like in a dish where it's layered. It's kind of like a layered. So you have, Layers of potatoes, olives, peppers, tomatoes, the fish. Uh, there's cilantro. And then there's a sauce you put over. And the secret to Moroccan fish is you have to cook it slowly. Okay. Very slow. This is the problem with this is the problem with Moroccan. This is why, like anybody that has problems with Arabic people being slow, okay, listen to me, all right? We were raised since the day that we were in goddamn diapers. Okay? It's ten o'clock. We'll be there and don't worry. We show up three hours late. That that's that's how we show up to things. Flights. Well, don't worry, we'll get there. Rushing through the gate, we missed the flight. All right, we take the next flight. Every flight. Every flight was late. And and it's hard for me because like I gotta get used to not being late for flights. It's uh, like in my DNA. Oh my god. Wow. Flights and doctors appointments, you know. <laughs> Appointments for your dog or your cat, those are going to have to be on time for because stuff will close, you know. Got an appointment at like two, place closes at like four, you're fucked. <laughs> you got to prioritize. <laughs> I've had the fish before. Um, your brother's made it for me. He makes it really well. Yeah, your brother makes it very well. Um, and he does it. He does it with a big smile on his face the whole time, you know, as he's cooking and as he's sharing it with people. He's very, very, very happy. He has a huge smile on his face. Our culture, Moroccan, if anybody like ever has a chance to meet Moroccan people, I mean, first of all, we're, I I could say like we're very warm, loving people. We're raised family, meaning people that that you're, you're family with. You, you're always there, you know, you come together, you eat together, you sing together, you cry together. Um, we believe in unity, and, and we kind of find that in food. It's a part of our culture, the way that we cook, the way we, we teach our children how to cook. Um, I'm very blessed to be a part of, of you know, that culture, so... 
I'm not gonna cry. I'm gonna hold back a tear. I don't do that. Do you feel that, like, um, uh, speaking on diversity, do you feel mm. like food, like, it's something that brings people together often? Because if you think about it, it's just like, like Thanksgiving, people come together to eat. I know a lot of cultures, it's big to, like, for their family to eat at a dinner table. I'm not so sure about like the American culture as much, but me growing up, like our family would like eat at the table and it was like, you weren't allowed to go eat anywhere else at times. Is that kind of like what uh, the Arabic culture is like in a sense? Like, yeah. Uh, we always, and it's actually funny, we actually have uh, our way of, of how we serve food. So in Morocco, uh, the way that we, when you're serving appetizers, you always put them in front of your guests with bread. You don't hide them. They're always in front of you. Uh, when you serve main dishes, you bring the bowl to the person or the plate, and you serve them directly over. Uh the way that you pour, you cannot pour to the top. There's a certain amount you can pour. Mm-hmm. Who gets served first? It like it may seem like okay, this is a bunch of dumbass rules, but the thing is, is like to us, it's a way of showing a, a certain type of respect. Like that's why, like when people look at South Korean culture, I can understand it. We have the same thing in Arabic culture: gestures, the way you do certain things, the way you eat, the way you pour. Yeah, it's a very big part of our culture, especially food. Same thing with uh, – I would say the same thing with Asian culture. It's kind of similar to Middle Eastern and Arab culture. Yeah. How about you, Carissa? Uh, well, yeah, I mean like earlier when you were talking about customs that you have within your culture, we went to church. Um, you know, we go to church every Sunday – especially when I was younger. Um, and what I liked about church every Sunday was that I got to be with my grandma. Um, and I just hang out with grandma like the whole Sunday, you know, and then afterwards we go to the village Inn, which is like the basic pancake place of town. And, you know, I mean, there was like three different breakfast places that we'd kind of like rotate around, but you know, grandma would buy the family breakfast. Um, and I remember when grandma quit smoking, um, so we didn't sit in the smoking section anymore. Um, I don't know. I mean, we, I feel like we started to get like more relaxed. Um, my parents very much so. They let go of a lot of the things. But, you know, when it was time to like get formal, we had more rules and things like that. Um, but you know, I mean, not not very not very strict. Not a lot of rules growing up in suburban life. Damn, it's a story of our <laughs> part one, fourteen chapters. Well, one thing that I wanted to bring up was uh, that you know Iowa, just being like the suburbs, like where I grew up, um, they. When I was in like 
junior high, um, the U.S. government sent out refugees, um, hundreds, um, thousands. I'm not really sure, but we had tons of refugees come, um, you know, families, uh, little kids. So my mother was affected by it because she's a teacher. But it's different, you know, because all of a sudden there's a burst of people in the community that speak a whole other language. Um, and I feel these people were welcomed and they're like brought to a place where it's like kind of easy to survive. And I don't know if they were like accustomed to like, you know, the freezing cold weather or whatever, but they seem to do fine with it. I think if I came to Iowa, that's I would be like, oh, shit. So cold. <laughs> Where they translated me to. But I remember like, you know, it was just like something we'd never heard before. Like um my one friend Mirza, he was Bosnian. Yeah, I'll, I'll just talk about people. <laughs> he he told me that he lived in a car in Germany for like two or three years with his mother before his parents like, you know, somehow got moved to Des Moines, Iowa. Um, Johnston, Iowa. Actually. Oh my God! Um, there were tons of kids, just tons of them, and then parents as well. I just um, put it. What was crazy was that they had moved people from from countries that were within war with one another. So they had moved Bosnian people and Syrian people and all kinds of different people who like hated each other, like into into Des Moines, Iowa, and like we. Yeah. You know, we had we that just, too in Chicago. Yeah. yeah, we had that too in Chicago. Yeah, we were kids. Yeah. 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 So we didn't yeah, know yeah, anything yeah. about the news or like war or whatever. So like we were like, wait, what happened? People yeah. told us, like, well, they killed my family. I'm like, what? And you had like so kids like, in international gangs what? too. They like not just like the ones that you hear about. Yeah. Huh? And you had yeah. kids like for we we did at least we had kids in like different gangs. Not like the gangs you care about normally, but like we had gangs in like 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 from different parts of like different countries, gangs that you hadn't necessarily heard of. And like, they're all kind of coexisting. Like all these kids from different backgrounds, different, like you know, different families, different values, different perspectives, different political things. Cause yeah, same age, like we're like the same age. So this was like early, early to mid nineties when you had these kids that were like coming from all these like war, like, uh, like Bosnia Herzegovina, that kind of era area where it's like you had like, yeah, like their families might've been fighting with each other and then they're over here and that's sitting mass class together. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah, it's wild. I mean, I mean, for example, like in New York. Oh, sorry, Henry. I'm just curious. Like, so did they ever bring like that from like Bosnia and Syria to like Ohio and Chicago? Were they like fighting and beating each other up or trying to kill each other? Yeah, they got stabbed. There was yeah. in our high school. Kid stabbed another kid in the high school. There was like blood on the floor. I've told I've told uh, David this story before because it's just like you. Picture your little Midwest high school, and then all of a sudden there's these two different types of kids, you know, just like stabbing each other. And none of us have any idea why. We're just like, what the fuck happened? And same with the counselors. Yeah. Like, they're like, okay. <laughs> they're like, so there's a war between these two countries, and now it's coming into our school. And like, how do we, what do we even do? You know? So sorry. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah. I mean, like, for example, in New York, uh, I I mean I wasn't like you know I would that was I was born in the the late late nineties. Uh, we had a lot of Russians. So after the Soviet Union fell, a lot of Russians fled. 
uh, the USSR, and they came to Connecticut, uh, New York, Manchester, Maine. One of the biggest problems that started happening was the wars. You know, kind of when Giuliani kind of came in and started cleaning up the city and they got the new governor in. The biggest problem was you had these Russians coming in and then one worked for this oligarch and the other one worked for that oligarch and kind of the same problem. You had these families fighting with each other. Then they're getting in fights with the Italians. The Italians are fighting with them. Yeah. It was just it was it was chaos. And we yeah, and we had some of that, and then we also had like we had like a, a lot of Orthodox Jews in the neighborhood, and we had a lot of like uh, Muslims in the neighborhood. We had so there was a lot of tension during aspects of that as well when 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 there were issues like in the Middle East happening and like issues surrounding Israel. Mm-hmm. So you had that, and then you had we had like resurgence of Nazis too. So there was two, like a couple of Jewish kids that got shot and killed, or like at least maimed seriously, um, like towards like the turn toward, towards like the turn of like two thousand, but like. We did definitely have some, cause we had like, so like, I remember where there was one point where like, I was in like fifth grade and we had kids, we had, I had like classmate who was in Latin King, a kid who was in gangster disciples and a kid who was in Asian blood. And they're all just, we're all just hanging out in the same like sixth grade, fifth grade class. And it was wild. Cause it's like, there's like, there's definitely were things that would happen outside of it. Like I do remember one kid's like older sibling was killed and they had to transfer and stuff. But like, you also have a lot of like, you have a surprising amount of just like, at least in this, during the school period, we had a surprising amount of like peace. Like there wasn't that much fighting considering how many different backgrounds there were. Cause there was like 22 different language groups. And so like 22 different kind of like background origin areas. And like, and like there could have been like, it was called Daniel Boone elementary school. And like for like how diverse it was, I feel like, and how much there was like a lot of tension between a lot of different countries that were in the same classes together. We had a surprising amount of like, kind of peace and integration like not exclusively but somewhat and then in my high school it was like kind of similar but then there was a kid that was killed for you know gang related issues like the year before like the summer before I, I started going to high school there so you have like like you have some aspects of it where it's like everybody kind of coexists and just makes a choice to coexist and then you have other things that sometimes it just comes to a breaking point and then there's like some crazy shit that happens like I was like 10 or 11 and like, I remember I was living with my mom and like, we were up, we, we lived in like West Rogers park. And, uh, it was like, it was, uh, so it was sort of the outskirts of that whole, of that, not outskirts, but it was like the edge of that neighborhood. Like, uh, and, and we had like a lot of people from all different areas, but it was largely like uh, Orthodox Jewish neighborhood. Um, and then like Eastern European and then like some middle Eastern. So we were kind of more in that section of it at that point, like we moved like 14 times before I was nine. So I went to, I got to live in so many different old pockets, but like during this period, we were like, we, we were living there. I remember just like, it was like summertime. My mom and I were like watching some like late black and white movie, like like 11 or 12 in the, like at night. And suddenly we, we kind of like hear some commotion and like the light, light is kind of weird. So I like run to the like windows and like someone had like blown up a car. There was like a car bomb. <laughs> Like mm-hmm. no one was injured and it got put out and everything, but it was in front of like this, like Russian, we like, we, it seemed very much like Russian mafia kind of vibe. Like um, it was in front of that household where there, there were just multiple different families, multiple different, like, you know, kind of like things going on constantly. And then somebody kissed somebody else off and, and there was a car that was on fire. Like, and that was just kind of, you're like, Oh, that's, it's not like, it's not like it's par for the course, but it is kind of just like, huh, like that. Like, I mean, it kind of, you kind of accept it. Yeah. I, I mean, I, um, I, I, I lived in Israel for, for a few years and being from, you know, the environment that I grew up in, 
And there was a lot of anim- animosity on both sides. And right. one of my experiences in Israel was I met Palestinians. And they were wonderful people. They were fun. I had great times. The issue is, is that people tend to look at the smaller picture instead of the bigger picture, where you have Israelis and you have Palestinians, which are two credible people, hardworking. They want to do great for their countries. But the problem is, is that they always, you know, kind of the biggest problems with diversification to begin with is there's conflict when there's no need to there's no need for there to be conflict. You know, it's so easy, it's so easy for someone to blame another person for a problem. But it's so hard for us to admit, you know what, we made a mistake. So why don't we try to work together so we can correct it? We have such a difficult time doing that. But is that a problem or is that just one of the things, like a par for the course kind of situation? Like, I I don't think it's a problem with diversity. It's just a, it's a thing that has, it's like a, a, issue that needs it's something that needs to be resolved yes so mm-hmm. i feel like problems like the wrong word because it implies that like we should have diversity if we have these issues but i feel like these issues are very like they allow they make us understand things more by having to deal with them and having to figure out how to create like a peaceful environment from that like i think like with my experience with my grade school like what helped a lot was we had a lot of like teachers who were from different countries as well. So it wasn't just like, Oh, all these kids are here suddenly in this, like, you know, this very like homogenous neighborhood Mm -hmm. uh, in any direction. It was like, you had like, you know, my second, my second grade teacher was from Nigeria, like, and she was awesome. And like, (laughs) you know, but you had that throughout where you had like, you know, you had a fair amount of like, you know, American teachers, like white American teachers. Then you had like people from just all different kinds of backgrounds. And it was cool because like, I think the kids were also like, Oh, we're not just suddenly in this like homogenous neighborhood. We're not like, you know, we're not in this area where it's like just one thing. There is no just one thing. It was like even block to block. It wasn't just one thing. You had people from all different kinds of like different countries that they had been born in or their families had been born in. Yeah. But you know, like one, one thing that I am curious of is like, for example, Henry, you, You've told me before, and we've discussed this before, like, you know, you've bumped into, uh, you know, a bunch of people, you know, from, like, different backgrounds. Like, from your own experience, like, one, if you can think of any, like, when you think of, you know, uh, communities, communities clashing with each other, like, you know, we're talking about how, like, this fighting and like you know this rallying and i mean you're all about peace and love and i love that too but like what did what did they say it's what's funny is um i actually used to work on a a cruise line where they would just have different contractors come and renovate the cruise lines and we just like dock it in the bahamas and like there was our group we're like we just removed and installed new sofa beds into the cruise ships but then there were other groups that were like engineers from like germany and then like other people from italy like south america like literally anywhere you can think of (laughs) it was all on this cruise ship and i was just telling my friend this last night actually it was like funny because i went and did that job like four times the very first time 
it was literally like everyone versus everyone. Like <clears throat> every different culture was fighting and like just going at each other. Um, there's like one point, like I am usually about the peace, but it's like, don't get on my bad side. <laughs> so, <laughs> our, our group of guys just on that particular cruise ship were just lazy. Like they didn't come to work. They came because they are like, oh, we're going to the Bahamas and we're getting paid. And so they literally like, they work a little bit and then just go find a random room and sleep in it. And so we have like, our team had 24 guys and there were only 12 dudes working and <laughs> our ass while everyone else is like sleeping off somewhere. <laughs> but yeah. And then you got all these other different contractors just getting pissed because we all got to do our job, but everyone's getting in everyone's way. And like, yeah, that there was one particular day, like our team was like just off napping, bullshitting. There's only 12 of us. So like we're working our asses off and some dude, I don't know where he was from, but like I'm walking, he specifically got in my pathway to like shoulder check me. I saw him coming, and so I, like, balled my fist up because I was, like, just so over the day. And I was like, all right, if this dude shoulder checks me, I'm decking him. And I think he saw my, like, fist and, like, moved last minute. But it was just interesting because, like, that first time, like, everyone was against everyone. And then the second time we went there, it was, like, mellow. Like, no one was really going after each other, but we weren't really – like associating with one another at all we just like get our job done and then go hang out with our groups until the trip was over but the third time it was it was funny like that's when everyone came together and we're like oh so you're actually not that bad like a lot of people were judging us just because all of the news they hear from america like things that would be going on in america so they're like oh we thought you guys were like assholes and this and that and we're like no we're pretty chill like we're same with you guys like we don't know what the hell is going on with our country right now but like yeah we're not that bad and then just like started getting to know each other and like telling like telling them what like america's like and they're telling us what like italy's like and just like exchanging emails and phone numbers like yo if you're ever in Europe, like, let me know. I'll I'll take you to. <laughs> That's cool. I, I will say this. That is true about. In, wait, oh, sorry, go. I will say this, Henry. This is by far one of the best stories you've told on this podcast ever. <laughs> okay, working on a cruise. Come on. Okay, first of all, we, we're not making this up. Okay, like cruise ship teams german scientists like this needs to be a tv show like where's steve carroll man <laughs> fucking a like we need come on come on this yeah. is amazing amazing holland america <laughs> if you give me a promotion i need a cruise <laughs> <laughs> but it's but. true about traveling internationally though too where it's like there's just not that there's not a great opinion about like americans no, yeah. I mean, Carissa, yeah. what what are your um what are your thoughts on that? 
like, for example, like we have our view of, you know, uh, different cultures and ethnicities. I mean, you've been to Europe, you've been around like, what do you think it's like in other countries, like for, for some groups? One thing that I wanted to say before the, the whole thing was over is that we talk about diversity and the word diversity isn't really about race. You know, like race is just like one um, example of diversity and something that is, you know, a big topic right now. Um, when there wasn't as much diversity with race, um, and, you know, we did have a lot of education on diversity with, with race, but when there wasn't, um, and everybody was the same race, there was still a lot of diversity amongst people all in the same race. And I'm sure people, you know, of, of any race can, can say, you know, there's still a lot of diversity within their own race. You know, like um, you and your brother are very different people. And me and my sister are very different people. You know, like you have sporty people and people that, you know, are more introverted. And, and kinky and funky and groovy. Well, and then, and then also totally, and to add to that, like, then also like just the whole idea of like subculture, like the whole notion of like subculture, like, um, like in, in Chicago, there's like a lot of different cultures and cultural backgrounds and stuff. But like from a young age, I was like, I mean, I didn't, my parents were old, old freaks and they were like very, you know, we didn't have a lot of like, culture to speak of other than like counterculture and then like i kind of pursued that very young and by the time i was 16 i was like in a band playing shows and stuff like in places i was old enough to play <laughs> and did that for like 12 years and like our my culture and like my experience of culture is not has nothing to do with like a you know race or country that people are born from or religion or anything it's like what what's like what like weird subverted underground venues do you play in like what kind of what's the content of what you create what kind of art are you making like what are you saying like what are you what's your what's your show like you know like who's going to you know and that's that's a cult like that's like a thing of its own too because it like it evolves too it's like you have like it's that you know I, I see i saw it used to be something that like you know i mean once you when you kind of get into uh chosen cultures so like chosen subcultures countercultures instead of just like also the ones that are like natural backgrounds i feel like it's a whole different conversation of diversity and how things change and borrow and like or steal from each other yeah i mean i i can say from my own experience that you know i've said this before diversity has has multiple it has multiple layers kind of like an onion and one thing that I, I, I kind of found out early on was, you know, I, I kind of of a lover of the 70s and, you know, hippies and all of that kind of shit. And the thing that I found out was that all still exist. It's just those baby boomers that all became Republicans and now are, are politicians. We're not like them. Like, we're a completely different class. Or they and, died because they stayed poor. Yeah. Well, like my family. <laughs> yeah. But like the the version that we have now is kind of live a normal life, be a normal person, but be your own self, you know, be, a, you know, diversify yourself, immerse yourself with cultures, learn new things. That's literally the idea about being open-minded is you're opening your mind 
to different experiences and perspectives. There, I totally. did it again. I said perspectives. Yeah. <laughs> well said. Yes. Um. That got quiet. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, woof. Well, um, I think we're almost at eight hour. Uh, anybody, anybody want to say anything? Because I got, I got jack shit, honey. I got, I got nothing. I'm, I'm like. I, I, all I was trying to say is that diversity isn't just about race, and I think that it's an onion. It has layers. People can like. Um, don't don't let don't let that take over all of your thinking when you mm-hmm. think about diversity because like don't limit yourself to that because we're all individuals beyond you know our races and we're all individuals within our races as well That's true. Wow. yes Ooh. powerful Anything that's gonna top that. Henry, what about you? What do you? What's your close closing statement for today? I think she's got it. <laughs> Eli, uh, I think that I think that it is important to listen to what everybody's background is to understand it better so that diversity can be a like fluid and beautiful and building thing rather than something that can be competitive or dangerous. Wow. Well, that's diversity. It's, um, I like to think of it as a love story. It's, it's one of those things where you get to learn it get to see new things more importantly you you get to start something you never thought you'd ever do so with that uh we love you people i don't know i'm 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 tired i'm gonna probably (laughs) probably do something about that but we'll see you next week hopefully who knows we'll see all right We have reached the end. (laughs) Not really, it's just the end of the podcast. Thank you so much to our listeners, our sponsors. Uh, It's amazing to know that we're reaching people and allowing people to speak their minds and their truths. A big shout out to Eli, our co-host. Be sure to check out our social links and our incredible art. And our Substack weekly uh, letter. It's every week. Uh, We'll catch you on the next one. Peace.